you can help. Tonight's very, very special because we have on a very special pastor, Pastor Henry Madava from um, Victory Christian Church. He's right there in Kiev. He's a senior pastor. He's a powerful man of God. He's preached all over the world. He's not just a pastor. He is a, does, they see uh, resurrections of the dead they've seen in their church. He casts out demons. Come on. He lays hands on the sick and he preaches the gospel with power. We also have on tonight, Pastor Vlad Savchuk. So you guys know Vlad. He's no stranger here. Pastor Henry is new on the broadcast. I'm excited to have him on. Without further ado, please help me welcome on Pastor Vlad and Pastor Henry. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing awesome. Very good. Very glad to be here. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're so honored to have you both on. Uh, Pastor Vlad is in Washington right now. He has a team that is actually, including his wife, who is in Poland, that's working on the border. There, It's three in the morning, or it's four in the morning for them, guys. So I just want you guys to keep that in mind. Pastor Henry, I want to honor you for being on. I know it's four in the morning. We thank you. We honor you. I just want to tell you, at any point, if you have to get go or go do something, please, I know you're right there in the Capitol. So I just want to say, I really, really honor you. I appreciate you being on. I know there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's a very very busy time. And so I just want to honor you with that and say thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you for having me. It's a great uh, honor for me. And right here in Kiev now, it's it's a very tense and tense place to be. So it's thank you for having me to share this information today. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Henry. I would like to say as well, and then Vlad, if you wanted to say anything to start out, I would love for Pastor Henry. I know there's a lot of new people watching, uh, new to our ministry, new to your ministry, Pastor Henry. If you would just give maybe your background, your story, how you got into ministry. I know you're originally from Africa, maybe how you came from Africa to you're now in the capital of Ukraine. If you want to just share that, that'd be awesome. Well, many years ago, I, uh, I, I loved things like mathematics, physics, and chemistry. And so I really wanted to be an engineer. And I came to the Soviet Union, USSR, to study aeronautical engineering. And that was in 1986, just after Chernobyl. And so I did graduate. I did my master's in aeronautical engineering here in Kiev. And I'm originally from Zimbabwe. That's a small little tiny nation uh, in Southern Africa. And... When I came here, I was already a preacher. So I used to preach to students and then preach to churches. And then we began to do some little uh, crusades then in the 80s, praying for the sick, getting the sick healed. And then the Lord spoke to me that I needed to start a ministry. And that was in in 1990. I was very much against it. I didn't want to do that. Uh, Africa and Ukraine are not always compatible in many ways. Mm. So I wasn't very much for that idea. But eventually the Lord convinced me. And the end of 1992 in December, we launched our ministry, the Victory Church. And now we have spread all over Ukraine and beyond. We have churches almost in every major city and in smaller towns, almost 150 of them. And then we have some churches in Poland. In other places as well, in India, we have a church and we have some in Russia. So we do the ministry has grown and beyond the ministry of the church, I have another ministry, which I call Christ for all cities and that I used to do crusades all over the world. I've wow. worked the Lord in Thailand. I do a lot of crusades and conferences in Thailand, Pakistan, India, uh, Eastern Europe, Poland, 
I've done so many things in Slovakia. So we are all over the place. And that's the calling the Lord gave me. So powerful. And you guys are not just, I know a lot of times people think, oh, a church or a pastor, but you guys are doing supernatural ministry. You guys are casting out demons. You guys are healing the sick. I mean, guys, we're talking about revival ministry, the power of God, revival happening. Talk a little bit about that, your journey. Even I know you started out casting out demons and doing deliverance. And how was that in Ukraine? And, uh, and I guess in, in uh, I don't know if you were in Russia, but the different areas you were at, how was the deliverance aspect and that revival aspect when you first when you first came over there? Well, originally, I told uh, Pastor Vlad once that I used m- most of my ministry was deliverance. And that's wow. what that wasn't on purpose. It was something that happened without me planning on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be a mathematics teacher in Africa. And when I uh, I used to have a small group of students that I used to lead in a school, they called them scripture union. And I didn't know how to preach. And I would invite young people to come and preach to my kids. And one day, one of the preachers didn't show up. And I'd fasted and prayed for this guy. And he didn't show up. So I had to preach my first message, which was five minutes. I mean, five minutes from Genesis to Revelation. And there was nothing else to speak about. I mean, I exhausted the Bible in five minutes. So I didn't know what to do. So I'd say to the guys, let's pray And this is my first meeting where I'm preaching and we started praying. So we shut, we closed our eyes and I'm praying. And then I hear these sounds of people falling. Mm -hmm. You know, I open one eye, I'm looking around and there were about five or seven students lying on the floor. And I was trying to think, what is that? I'd never seen that in any church or anywhere. So I, I tried to approach one of them. It was a little girl. So I'm saying to the girl, are you okay? And then she answered me in a male voice. Wow. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, what is this? And one of the guys told me, he said, Mr. Madava, this is what we call a demon. <laughs> so that's how that ministry was birthed. And then I started casting out the demons. At the beginning, I wasn't very successful at it. I remember I cast about seven of them and one, I couldn't cast out one for some reason. I have no Mm. idea why. So what we did was I carried this young girl on our shoulders. So we went to a church close by. It was an Assemblies of God church. So I thought, well, the pastor should be spirit-filled. He should take care of this. So I come to this church and the pastor tried to cast out the demon. He could not. And so he invited one of his deacons from home. And this guy, this guy comes in and he didn't look very well kept. I mean, he was, uh, I thought he was, he must have come, I, maybe he was asleep or something because there was so much smell of fish from him and all kinds of stuff. And I judged him for the way he looked, not mm. knowing this guy had buried his wife six months before oh, wow. and he was frying fish for his children before he came. Wow. So anyway, uh, he said, pastor, why did you call me? So the pastor said, we can't cast out this demon. And this was so important for me because it helped me quite a lot. He said, ah, okay. So he looked at his watch. He says, demon, I give you five seconds to live in Jesus' name. So he says, one, two, when he said three, the demon was gone. Wow. I said, wow, I've never seen this before. So I was, I said, can we go together as you go home? So I was asking him, how did you do that? He said, you know what, Mr. Madava, if you want to do what I just did, the key is be a friend of God. 
If you be a friend of God, you will not only do this, but even more. So that's how my ministry was birthed in 1986. That's a long time ago. (laughs) Wow. So So powerful. Eventually, I came to the Soviet Union. And when I came to the Soviet Union, the only ministry I knew was deliverance. I didn't know any healing or any other stuff then. I was just in the deliverance. And gradually, the Lord began to help me to use the deliverance ministry, use the same principles in the healing of the sick, Mm. in opening blind eyes. And that's how now it's my ministry is more like a combination of everything. Mm. So uh, I I call that whatever the need is, that's (laughs) what we have. (laughs) We used to feed people. And I remember we had our chickens uh, people were eating chicken and the, they, they called me, they say, pastor, we don't have enough chicken. I said, please put your hand inside the chicken, wash them before you do that. And they put their hands, we prayed and the chicken multiplied. So wherever wow. the need is, that's Come where, on. what God, the supernatural, it manifests to help and solve the, the problem. So, so good. And you guys have also seen the dead raised as well in your crusades, in your church. Would you share a little bit on that as well? I know, listen, I know there's people in the chat. Guys, you got to understand, we're talking about stuff from the Bible. We're not talking about lukewarm, watered down American Christianity. This is stuff happening that happened in the Bible is happening today. Talk a little bit about that, Pastor Henry, some of the resurrections you guys have seen. Our first resurrection was very funny because we had started the church and the church was when we started, we were about 200 people. And in six months, we grew from 200 to 30 people. Wow. That's negative growth. <laughs> so we lost 170 people. So we had come to a point where I wanted to give up. And the Lord told me, use what you have. So I said, what do I have? He said, he gave me three things. Number one, pray for the sick. Mm. Number two, teach the Bible systematically. And number three, he said, simplify so that everybody can understand what you're doing. Mm. So I came to the church, I announced to the church, we are going to do a healing meeting in two weeks time. So we prayed and fasted. So I say the victory church was so disobedient. They didn't bring the sick. They brought the dying. (laughs) (laughs) They were so sick to the point they were going to die. And one lady died. In uh, my first healing service, wow. a lady died. Now, in the Soviet Union, they had this, uh, they used to say that believers sacrifice people. It was a communistic propaganda wow. that if you go to church, they will sacrifice you. So this lady dies in my first service, a healing service. And so the ushers, they send me a note, pastor, a lady just died. What do we do? So I'm praying, I'm preaching and I'm thinking, I don't even remember what I preached about because I was so busy trying to figure out how to come out of this. So 40 minutes later, the usher sent me a note and say, Pastor, since you kept preaching, we prayed for this lady and she's risen from the dead. She's alive. And that was our first resurrection in our first healing meeting done by the ushers. Wow, that is a way to start. 
That is so powerful, Pastor. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I don't know, Vlad, if you want to say anything here. I wanted you, if you if you would, Pastor, there's a lot of people watching. I hate to even bring this up and even say this, but this is the reality. In America, there's many people that don't trust the media, right? They don't trust the news. Mm-hmm. Would you, you're right there on the ground, you're in Ukraine. Would you share a bit of the history between Russia and Ukraine? What is this war about? Why is Russia invading? Why have they, why have they launched this war um, on Ukraine? Maybe some of the background between this conflict for those that are new, that are just clueless. And they say, oh, I've only heard from the media and some of them, they won't watch media. So would you just share with us mm-hmm. a bit about the history of Russia and Ukraine? Well, what's happening in Ukraine is very painful. It's so painful to the point that, uh, I mean, in your wildest dreams, we never thought this mm-hmm. could happen. Uh, people are dying for no particular reason. Cities are being erased to the ground. I mean, they bombed Kharkov to the point that you cannot recognize Kharkov. And uh, I mean, it's so terrible. Sumi, it's so terrible. So Russia and Ukraine, if you know the history of the Slavic people, uh, uh, part of the history concerns Ukraine and Russia. Originally, the original uh, people from where the Russians and the Ukrainians came from, they used to live in Kiev. Well, mm. Kiev is named Kiev from uh, the oldest brother of a family. His name was Kiev. And so when you say a key city, it's Kiev. Wow. So it was his city as the older brother. Mm-hmm. So this Kiev and his brothers, they founded this place called Kiev. And the great one of the greatest kings they called them Tsars that was here his name was uh he, he, he was the father of what we call modern Russia and modern Ukraine but he was in Kiev so Yaroslav Mudry Yaroslav the the wise they call him he had sons and so he was based in Kiev and then he sent out his sons to different places to found other to start cities, mm. but he left his oldest son in Kiev here, uh, and that's they called that empire Kievsky Rus, which is Kievian Rus, not Russia. Russia wasn't there then; it was a name Rus. So then the father died, and he had these sons, the oldest being in Kiev. One of the sons who went to the place called Moscovia, which is now Moscow became much stronger than the older brother who stayed in Kiev. And eventually he conquered the brothers. But originally the center was in Kiev. So there was always this fight between who is the, who is in charge, the Mm -hmm. Moscow guy or the Kiev guy. These were brothers then. So eventually the one in Moscow, it wasn't Russia, it was just Moscow because Rus was here in Kiev. Eventually, in the tug of war, people began to play with history, and they renamed themselves Russians. And so, Kievsky Rus, people began to say, it's actually in Russia, which it wasn't there before. So, the name Russia came up, and they linked with the Rus. So, then the Ukrainian historians changed. They had to change their name because their name had been abducted into Ukraine. So, that tug of war has always been. So Ukraine has been part of the Russian Empire and not part of it. They've been part of the Polish Empire, the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, 
and the Russian Empire. Even the Swedes came here one time. So they've always been trying to uh, to run away from the domination of Russia for a long time. So eventually, the Soviet Union came along, and it took everybody in. And Ukraine was there as part of the Soviet Union. But as far as Russia is concerned, and when you say, I'm simplifying things as much as I can. And so when Russia came along, and then President Putin came along. So President Putin, he he never believed in the existence of a country called Ukraine. Wow. To him, it's a country that's non-existent. Mm-hmm. So he thinks it's supposed to be part of Russia. Uh, so as a result, I think he was waiting for an opportunity to eventually somehow engulf this country. So there's a very big difference between Russians and Ukrainians. Ukrainians are very free. That's mm-hmm. why you, you see that democratic approach and all the revolutions, people coming out, uh, and Russians are not that free. So you find when you are a leader in Russia, you have an easier job because the people are, they tend to submit very quickly to the authorities. Mm-hmm. While in Ukraine, people tend not to submit <laughs> and they still have their free will. They want to express it. So there is a very big difference between the two people. So this conflict has been, I mean, boiling along for many, many years. Culturally, Russia's culture was born in Ukraine, but it was then Kiev and Rus. They are Orthodox Russian Orthodox Church. Their main cathedrals are in Kiev, not in Russia. So if the founder of Moscow is buried in Kiev, he's not buried in Moscow. Wow. So culturally, they are very linked together and religiously as well. So anyway, after the Soviet Union, which Ukraine was one of the facilitators to disintegrate the Soviet Union, and I think President Putin being a KGB officer, they did not like the separation between Russia, Ukraine and the other, and the other republics. So I think it has been a dream to bring them back together. So that's where the whole thing comes from. Uh, so, and it boiled into war, but also the hatred thing. There's an element of personal, as far as President Putin is concerned. And then there's the element of the nation looking at Ukraine also. So those two elements have been playing this thing. And somehow Russia tries to pull Ukraine back because Ukraine now, I think they were trying to get protected. If you know that in 1995, there was this memorandum that was signed in Budapest mm-hmm. where Ukraine was supposed to forfeit all their nuclear arsenal mm-hmm. in exchange for protection from Russia, the United Kingdom, and the United States of America. So they forfeited their nuclear weapons. And one of the countries that was supposed to guarantee their security then attacks them. And wow. so the other two didn't know what to do. And that's the dilemma until today, that Ukraine is standing on its own. Nobody knows how to react to this. So, And it's very painful because so many people are dying. I mean, children. Mm-hmm. One guy just died two days ago. He was part of our church. He went to Sumi. He got married there, and he was evacuating people from Sumi. And he and other passengers in the car, their car was blown up. And they just died on the spot. And this is a very good guy. He's not a soldier. He's just evacuating people. He has three children now. 
that are left behind and he just dies. And many stories like that. So it's very painful. I think it's going to take some time for people to heal from this after the war because it's so painful. People are seeing so many deaths that are needless for no particular reason. So sad. And I've seen there's a lot of war crimes happening. I know today I was watching on a thread and they were saying, is there been war crimes? And it's and your president was saying, yes, it's undeniable. There's been countless war crimes, you know, attacks on nuclear plants, attacks on schools, attacks on hospitals, which if you guys are watching the live right now, don't know, according to the Geneva Convention, there's rules to war. So you can't attack schools, hospitals, civilians ambulances, press, you know, there's all these rules, nuclear plant, they attacked the nuclear power plant, which is the largest in Europe. Um, these, this stuff is really happening. Pastor, I wanted to just touch on this. There's some in the chat that say, this is all fake news. No, nothing's really happening. Now you're right there on the ground in the Capitol. What is, what does it look like on the streets? Is there a curfew going? Just tell us a little bit about the life right now that you're living. Maybe your wife, if you have any kids, what's going on with them? Just some of the, from someone on the ground, what's life look like right now? Kiev is uh, under heavy restrictions now because that's their main target. Mm. Uh, so they have a curfew in Kiev. Uh, you are allowed to go out in the streets from eight to eight. So from eight in the morning, you go, you can go out and to eight in the evening. There's very little you can do outside. Uh, people try to run to the shops to buy whatever they can. You have to stand in line sometimes for three, four hours. And most of the shops are empty. There's nothing to buy because wow. uh, the logistics are cut. I mean, nothing is coming in to Kiev. So when bread comes to a shop, people tell one another and they run from everywhere to come and buy bread. So anyway, those are the restrictions. In some cities, it's even worse because the curfew is 24 hours. Because like in Mariupol right now, it's so difficult. They are trying to evacuate people from Mariupol. They are trying to evacuate people from Kherson. And there have been fightings in, in Nikolaev. So in Kiev, mainly uh, the Russian rockets have been hitting in different places. Mostly they were hitting army bases, but also... Uh, high rises where people live. Mm. Uh, there have been so many deaths in Kiev because of those rockets. And then the bombs. The bombs they have, they are not controlled. You just drop it. I mean, wherever wow. it drops, that's where it drops. So people, so many people have died. The suburbs around Kiev, some of them have disappeared. We do have church members in Baradyanki, a place called Baradyanki, close to Kiev. I mean, the whole thing is almost non-existent anymore as a, as a little city, as a little town. Irpien, we have so many people, even from our church, who are still trapped and they can't come out. In Bucha, some of our people wrote from in, they've been captured by the Russian soldiers and they were using, they are being used as human shields. In other words, the only way to kill their Russian soldiers would be to kill these people as well. So, and these are real people that I know from the church. Mm. And these are young families. Some parents who did not want to evacuate, who are still in the places, they, they've been, there's no electricity, no water, nothing. So the people are trying to look for their parents. Irpen is a very well-known place. There was so much real estate going on in that area in the last few years, and it has been destroyed completely. So it's so painful. 
to the point that people who have run away from Kiev, maybe half of the city has run away from Kiev to Western Ukraine because Western Ukraine is closer to Slovakia, Romania, and to Poland and Hungary. And that's where most of the people have gone, to Western Ukraine. But some have gone on to cross the borders, mainly through the Polish-Ukrainian border, but some have gone through Romania, some through Slovakia, and some through Hungary. So some are in Western Ukraine, and some have crossed the borders. We are so thankful for the Polish people. They have been like brothers. Mm. They helped the Ukrainians so much. The government of Poland, they set up hotels. I mean, they are giving people food. They are helping people. We never knew that the Polish people would be so close to us and so helpful. And we pray that whatever revival comes to Ukraine, it should hit Poland as well. Mm -hmm. So we are so thankful. And the United Kingdom has been so helpful. The United States of America and Poland and other countries as well. Germany is now coming in very strongly. We are so thankful. So that's the terrible situation that there is. So we are setting up like we had to help our people in Western Ukraine. You know, they ran away and now their money is running out. So we have set up a, uh, a fund and Pastor Vlad helped us a bit as well. We, are set, we set up a fund where we are helping the people who ran away to Western Ukraine and now they have no food. They have no shelter, so we have to help them. The people who are crossing the borders, there are many international groups like Pastor Vlad and other groups like I work in Europe, many, many, that are helping from that side. So we instead are helping the ones that are staying in Western Ukraine and also in Kiev. We we took about seven warehouses in Kiev at the moment, and we are distributing, we are starting to distribute sometime in two days within Kiev. It's not very safe in Kiev, but some people, they either die from the shelling or they die from hunger. So if we can solve the hunger part, that will help them to be stronger at least. If anything else happens, then well, so that's what the situation is like. It's pretty tough and pretty rugged. And I mean, it's so difficult. That's that's the reality. Wow. Vlad, give us some of your thoughts on it. Uh, I know you were born, if if I'm right, Vlad, in Ukraine, and your wife was born in Russia. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit, Vlad, about the Ukraines and the Russians. From my understanding, I don't know if this is safe to say, you can correct me, this is really Putin's war, not Russia's war. It seems like it's Putin versus Ukraine, because I've seen a lot of people that I um, know of from churches I preach that are Slavic churches, Russian churches, that are like, I have family there that are against this war. The Russian people at large don't want to be at war with they're brothers in Ukraine, many of them say. So tell us, Vlad, a little bit about the, the conflict between the Russian people and the Ukrainian people and like what's really going on with that. Well, first, uh, uh, thank you, Pastor Henry. Uh, I really enjoy listening. I'm like so soaking good. in and this is also uh, really just um, it's, it's very painful um, in what he's sharing right now, being there on the ground. And for those of you maybe that are trolls and or you're just like, oh, this is all fake or, you know, the photos of uh, Zelensky, you know, being in the war is like 20 or five, six years old and everything. And I don't know about the photos, but I mean, you heard from somebody on the ground that there is a real 
yep. real war that is taking place and people are being killed for absolutely no reason. Yep. Um, I grew up in the western uh, part of Ukraine. Uh, my family immigrated at the age of when I was 13. So that's 1999, December 6th. And I came to the United States. Uh, my wife, she came from Moscow, uh, but she came at the age of 20. So that was about uh, some t uh, 10, 15 years ago that she came from Moscow. And predominantly, uh, over generally, Russian people do not want this war. Even those who are feeding or being fed with propaganda. Um, I know few Russian people who are um, not necessarily pro-Ukraine, but they are not pro-war. Uh, partially is because the information that is being fed through the through through the state television, state media. You have to understand is that Russia does not have a free media. Mm -hmm. uh, media is owned by the state, and right now they just released. Uh, Mr. Putin just signed a law that if you express views or um, perspective that is not in line with the state, then you will be fined. If I'm not mistaken, and Pastor Henry can correct me, I think up to 15 years. And so yeah. I saw one news media, a, a person, they just shut it down the same day because they just don't want to go to jail for 15 years. So uh, some of my Ukrainian pastors who are calling out Russian pastors for not speaking out against war, like some people don't understand also the the price that people will pay for simply standing with a sign, no war. You you will go literally to jail and you may face jail for up to five to 10 years uh, for just standing with a sign. And so a lot of people are praying, a lot of people are fasting and nobody wants this war. Uh, this war is hurting Russian people because of the sanctions. This war is killing innocent people um, in Ukraine. There's a lot of lies that are, that this war really is based on lies. And the lies are that Ukrainian people need to be rescued. That Ukrainian people is being, are being harassed by the fascists and they're being harassed by the Nazis that the president is, um, creating a genocide for Ukrainian people. And, uh, they were sent this, um, this truth to the troops that we need to go rescue Ukraine from these monsters. And troops were surprised to come and find out that Ukrainian people are armed. They're not wanting rescue. And if, you know, they wanted rescue, they would run to Russia. But everybody's running to Poland, not to Russia. And the president of Ukraine is a Jew. He's not a Nazi. And so there's a lot of just a lot of propaganda that is that is going on. And I believe a lot of it is spiritual. Um, there's a lot of spiritual components uh, that are involved in it because the devil, it's it's like the story of the first murder in the Bible. It was two brothers and one brother killed another one. It's exactly what's taking place right now. These are like two brothers, uh, part of the same family, the Slavic family, I would say. And, and one is coming against another one and wants to completely, uh, completely remove any mention, any notion of Ukrainian people are hungry people for God. I love Russian people. Don't get me wrong. My wife is Russian and this may come as a shock to some people that my wife is the one right now on the border of Poland. Wow. helping the Ukrainian refugees. And so we don't want this war. We want, you know, peace to come to this place. And at the same time, we're praying, wearing a, a fasting shirt. We're just right now on a three-day fast as well as a church and really believing that spiritually we can help as well by praying and fasting and as well as raising funds and uh, connecting with different ministries and Pastor Henry's ministry. And I think about 15 or, or 18 different ministries that are supporting uh, that that cause. And so it's been honestly last two weeks and this is not even coming close to what Pastor Henry and so many pastors there on the ground. But a lot of us here, we barely slept in the last few weeks 
trying to stay stay uh, in touch with people because um, I have also cousins that are in the western part of Ukraine, connect with different ministries, how we can help, what we can provide. We have local hospitals that started to donate medical equipment. So we took some of that stuff with us. We're trying to organize containers now that we can ship from the United States. And so it kind of slid, honestly, it's been a very crazy, but I can only imagine what people are going through. It's It's really heartbreaking. And this stuff is not fake. Uh, this is not a media propaganda uh, right now what's of what's happening there. There's a real war. There's real pain. There's real suffering. And and this is really, really bad. Yeah, it's unfathomable what we're seeing happen. And tonight, I should have said this earlier, but it's okay. Zero tolerance, guys, for those of you that are trolling, that are saying things that are just wrong. So we're banning people permanently. Don't ask to get unbanned because we just won't tolerate. There's people being mistreated, people being killed, running for their lives. Vlad's wife got on a plane on Tuesday, was it? Or no, no, yesterday or Sunday? Uh, uh, Sunday, Sunday. On Sunday, and she's on the border right now. Guys, trying to help refugees, trying to help people. And Vlad, how much have you guys raised, Vlad, for your relief fund so far? To this so we raised already over $300,000, and we have sent pretty much almost all of it. The challenge with, with funds, and Pastor Henry explained it really well, is that in some of the places, there's actually no food to buy. So if you send funds right now to, let's say, to Kiev, a lot of times there's no food that they can buy. And so we've been actually supporting quite a few of the Western Ukraine in Rivne, in Lviv, and in Lutsk so that they can buy containers as well as uh, ministries that are right now that are trying to evacuate. There are people that are driving back and forth uh, pretty much day and night evacuating people. And we just purchased uh, today a one more bulletproof van. And the reason why we were buying bulletproof vans is because, as Pastor Henry mentioned, um, so these guys are evacuating uh, children, uh, moms and, and women, and um, they get shot at. And so they just, everybody dies in the van, including the driver. And so, so we have to now, we bought one van in the Poland today, and then we bought another one that will be driving back and forth that's bulletproof. And so that's how severe and how dangerous this place is. We're also supporting uh, a few ministries in Romania and as well as one ministry in Moldova. And so, and each moment, honestly, every 30, 40 minutes, somebody sends me a contact. And so I have a team that kind of does a lot of vetting of the ministries I don't know personally um, so that we don't just send money, uh, you know, and send resources, but that we, we can ask also confirmation of what they're doing. So we're doing some vetting as well and really helping. I really feel like my, uh, the best I can contribute to this as well is to organize people to pray and fast and to, and to also raise resources and to send a hundred percent of them uh, overseas. So good. And that's something that I told Vlad a couple of days ago. I'm like, man, I want to be on the ground. But for me, where I'm at in my life right now, the best thing I can do with the platform God has given me, you know, guys, we're reaching about 3 million people a week. I want to get the word out. I want to get help. And so this is tonight why we're doing this. We're doing this to raise awareness on what's going on. We're doing this to raise finances. And don't worry, if you give to this fund, 100% is going to a ministry that's helping people. So you don't have to stress out about where your money's going. Pastor Henry, I wanted to ask you, how are the churches doing in Ukraine right now? How's the spirits of the pastors, the leaders? Um, how's your guys' churches doing? I know, obviously, it's a time of war. Would you tell us a little bit about what's going on in the churches and, and some of the pastors that you know? Yeah, and uh, it depends on the region of Ukraine. Mm. Today, I was speaking to our pastors in Mariupol. Mariupol right now is surrounded and under bombardment. And the pastors have to evacuate. My pastor from Mariupol, he's evacuating because he took out all the whole church. Everybody has left. And so he's evacuating the last. 
because the, if you stay there, it's sure death because uh, they don't discriminate whom to shoot, whom not to shoot. Uh, in Sumi, people are in dire need. Our pastors in Kherson, there's no light. There was no electricity for a few days. And right now, I think Kherson is the only major city where the Russians took over. So, and they're in dire situation. In Kiev, most of the big pastors that I know, they're either in Kiev or they've gone to Western Ukraine. Now, in Kiev at the moment, we most of the churches are not holding church services. Mm-hmm. And depending on the location, like where our building is, is not very far from uh, the, it's not far from where Butcher is, where the fighting has been going on. So we cannot hold live services. So I was doing a recording last night for our service that's coming on Wednesday. And there was these explosions coming out, coming in not very far from our church building. Wow. And it's in the video. So it's like the people listen to the message and they will hear these big explosions. And right now, while we were talking, there has been sirens behind me, which means there's either it's an, a Russian airplane coming in or maybe some missile somewhere. And so every night, it's about three, four, five times you hear these sirens in this place where I am. So the pastors, some, most of them are in Western Ukraine right now. Uh, and a few maybe have crossed the border, but most of them, they have stayed put in their places. And that's very sacrificial. And I, I really honor the pastors, the bishops, of all kinds of denominations. They stayed in Kiev. The main bishops that I know, they are all here in Kiev. And their decision is, we'll be here. What happens, happens. We want, we don't know what's going to happen. If the Russian soldiers come into Kiev, what are they going to do? We have no idea, but everybody's here. And we also made a decision. If the main guys, spiritual guys, stay in place spiritually, you know, these are the gatekeepers. So if the gatekeepers are in place, there's a bigger chance of winning this war and this thing ending so less people die. So we are here. We are fasting and praying. I've never seen the Ukrainian church so united. Mm. I mean, different denominations that never sit down together. Mm. We are all fasting and praying together. The main bishops, we actually came together to pray a few days ago. And we were praying together for a few hours. So even the Catholics are coming in to pray Uh and fasting. So there is so much unity in the country at the moment. And people are fasting and praying wherever they are. Prayer is going 24-7 everywhere, and we believe this thing is going to. There have been so many miraculous, supernatural uh, help of God for the soldiers, actually. There were so many testimonies coming in from the front line, Mm -hmm. soldiers who were surely going to die. And for some reason, the wind begins to blow. Mm -hmm. I mean, some storm comes up, and they are protected, and they get away. So wow. there have been so so much supernatural intervention that is mm-hmm. coming on. And we'll know more after the war. But there's been so much prayer all over the world. And the good news is God is actually answering those prayers. Come on. Ukraine would not be able to stand the way it's standing now if it wasn't for those prayers. 
That's so good. And I was thinking about in Daniel chapter 10, when Daniel's praying for his nation, that's, that was in bondage, you know, that was coming under the captivity mm-hmm. of the Babylonians. And the angel comes to Daniel and says, Daniel, as you've been praying, we've been going to war in the spiritual realm. I've been fighting the Prince of Persia, which was obviously, mm-hmm. you know, this high ranking principality. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a real spiritual battle. Not only in the natural realm is there a war going on, but as you know, pastor, I believe there there's a war going mm-hmm. on in the spiritual realm and even more effective than weapons. Weapons and arms are spiritual weapons. The Bible says, guys, that our weapons are not carnal, mm-hmm. but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds that God has given us, spiritual weapons, spiritual power. And so, Pastor, would you maybe give me your insight on the spiritual perspective of it? I mean, the, there's obviously a war going on in the spiritual realm right now. There's a battle going on in the heavenly realm. What do you feel about this? This is, you know, so demonic to me in nature, this whole war. It's death. It's, it's just pain. It's suffering. What some of the spiritual things that maybe God has shown you or you're seeing in this war that's just that's happening right now uh, I mentioned that when I started my ministry it was mainly in deliverance which was a one on one, one, one thing you know you mm-hmm. pray for one person and the spirit comes out mm-hmm. and what the Lord has done was teach me to move from the deliverance of one person and see the same thing on a city level national level, mm-hmm. continental level. The spirits may be different, like the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, that our war is not against flesh and blood. So it's not flesh and blood. And the Bible says we have overcome because more are with us than mm-hmm. with them. In other words, the deciding factor was not the soldiers on the grounds, but who was with the soldiers. Come that on. was the deciding factor. And it happens that on the earth, the church normally is the minority, so to speak. But mm-hmm. in the spirit, mm-hmm. we have the majority on our side. So that's why I say life is has a very big spiritual aspect. If you look in the Bible, Jesus comes to a woman who was sick for 18 years. And he says she was bound by a spirit. Mm-hmm. This is one woman. And the same spirits and other spirits can bind a whole city, Mm -hmm. a whole nation, and bring a mindset that pushes people into war. And then you come to the, to the things like the Bible does say, uh, to the Christians that we should get rid of, uh, the old self, including hatred, Mm. anger, and all this stuff. Why do we need to do that? Because things like hatred, that's the basis that the devil uses right, right now. President Putin, he hates. If you mention the word Ukraine, it's so hateful for him. So every, an individual hates someone, and on that hate, he, the devil builds a war. Mm. Hitler was hating the Jews, and the devil built the war against the Jews. So in other words, that's why when we preach the Bible and all these little things, they look harmless, you know, like hatred, like all this stuff. But in reality, that's what the devil builds on. And also, I was preaching one time just recently. The reason why the devil used Judah, Judas Iscariot, was because of the inclinations that Judas had inside And the devil capitalized on that. Mm -hmm. You know, he used to steal money from the bank. And I mean, so he would give, and he was a liar. 
He'll give this facade. Why are we wasting money? Let's help the poor. If people were going to vote who was the best guy in the room, it was Judas, not Jesus. Because he was, he was fighting for the poor. But in reality, he was manipulating everybody in the room. Mm. So he gave room for the devil to come and rest on him and use him. So this war and any other war or any other devilish evil big things that people do, they give place to the devil. And the devil comes in because of the inclinations that they have inside. And if you are a little nobody, the effects of that are very small. But if you are Hitler, the effects are big. And if you are President Putin, the effects are even bigger. Mm. 